Hey guys, and welcome back to the Skullcast for episode 68. We are all here again. Nothing really special. It's been a month, and we're happy to have Berserk consistently now. I think this is a fourth release since we got back. I believe it's the case. No, 38, 39, 40, 41. Yeah, this is the fourth one. So fourth in a row since July. That's pretty awesome. We are now one episode away from completing volume 38. Um, Almost an entirely, yeah, an entirely Falconian uh, volume. It will, uh, will almost be. If the next episode does indeed take place overseas, that will end with one episode of Guts Party. But eight episodes of Falconian, that's, that's a, a new record. Which also kind of dictates what the cover will be, right? I mean, they couldn't feasibly have a cover of Guts on this volume, could it's they? It's going to be the, the full moon know. on the <clears throat> cover. Oh, yeah. I, could, I guess we've already seen volume 38's cover. We had that Grail uh, special, you know, Patreon edition cover that she did for, I think it was Rupert, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Rupert Sinclair. Well, Biggest Donato. Mm-hmm. Thanks to him again. It looks very good, and it was well worth it. So yeah, anyway, um, we'll go ahead and get started. We're here to talk about 341, which really kind of hit all the major beats that we'd been talking about over the past two episodes as far as what we expect uh, from the pacing of this and, and where we expect it to go. I guess the one kind of uh, unsure thing was what was going to happen to Erica, but then Griff predicted that in the last podcast, that that Rakshas was holding her up so that he could actually, you know, use her as another, you know, temporary fire hydrant to put out the blood on him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of predicted all the major beats here. Uh, it was a little, un- it was a little unsettling actually, you know, I'd like to say, hooray, we won, but it's more like, <laughs> I, uh, I wasn't really that surprised except for the, the, the Rickert launcher at yeah, the very end, I guess. There, there were quite a few surprises. I mean, we, we got, you know, Three Garuda. The, yeah, the main stuff, you know, we got the main stuff, but we didn't know how Daibai would, uh, would hold said, strike Rakshas. We... It's, it's true. I'm, I'm over-exaggerating by saying there were no surprises. Yeah. I, I guess I just mean it hit the main beats of Daiba saves the day and they also fly out of Falcone. Well, the, the thing is, you know, like we can't always, you can't always be amazing, incredible stuff all the time. Otherwise, sure, you sure. know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not trying to cast a down note. I'm just saying, from a uh, an analyst perspective, I uh, you know, I, I kind of don't like being that that correct. That's all. Well, it it's to. a good thing you're not an analyst for you know, <laughs> as a job because. You know. uh, t- uh, part of my job is analyzing stuff, but I'm not quite as into I it. Like, as I like to be wrong, you know, professionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we should enjoy the moment because I mean it's not like this happens every episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we thought it was going to end with a slap. We thought Rickert and Griffith might not have a face to face, etc., etc., etc. The long history continues. Yeah, but anyway, let's move on to this episode. Uh, what was really cool here was, um, you know. The way the last episode ended was quite a cliffhanger, not only because of the Erica thing, but also because the pacing of the fight had suddenly changed by the very end. When Rakshas transformed, it totally turned the tables on, you know, who was in charge of that fight. And yet very quickly here, uh, Rakshas is put on the defensive, and he, he stays on the defensive the remainder of the episode. And that's because uh, Daiba shows up. And I, actually, it's probably my favorite or second favorite part of this episode is how Daiba... Uh, is able to subdue Rakshas 
which is just by summoning snakes and rats. Not summoning, I guess, like a like a what do you call it? What's a snake the te- charmer. Thank you. I was looking for it. You pulled it out right out of my head. A snake charmer does, or someone that can speak to animals. You know, both the rats and the snakes come to kind of entwine around Rakshasa's body. Uh, and it's interesting that that particular um, defense was used. You know, I mean, I'm not saying Daiba knew exactly how to subdue Rakshasa. It happened to work out, but um, by restricting his body uh, with you know hundreds and hundreds of snakes, it kind of makes some sense that he was weighed down by them and couldn't move freely. Especially I wonder if that would work. My, my point is, like, would that have worked against Grunveld or Zod, you know? Like, probably not, you know? Yeah, probably not, because Rakshas is made up of claws, and, you know, I guess when they are entwined, uh, it also restricts the movements. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's not like we know the exact physics of it, but, you know, when you, what say, when you, what say, twist a shirt, you know, very tightly, it becomes a bit, you know, stiff. So I sure. think it's a, <clears throat> that kind of, it works that kind of way. I think okay. the best thing about it is the shot of the snake in front of his eyes, like biting his little arm, and yeah. just, you know the way the way the bug eyes on his mask, you know, perfectly works for the moment. Yeah, He's I'm like, actually looking. <laughs> go ahead. Seal. No, I was gonna say that actually could replace Okaska emoticon as a you know puzzled you know emoticon. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? what? Yeah. What's going on? He's yeah. He's got two question marks himself right there. Just what? Yeah. I guess one of the I'm kind of jumping all around. I have some notes for the page-by-page stuff, but overall, I wanted to kind of hit the other points, and that was, uh, last episode, there was a lot of talk about why Erica apparent, seemingly randomly showed up on the scene when it seemed like they had had the upper hand. And of course, then Ruck just transformed and grabs her, and that's what causes the, you know, climax. But, I mean, it seems to me like she's the one that goes into the wagon and grabs the, you know, the bazooka thing at the very yeah. end. I wonder if that was what she was trying to do all along. Possibly. And we know, like, I mean, it's not like we don't know why she... First off, uh, Rakshas was going to get the upper end anyway, you know, like, grabbing Erika changes nothing. Oh, of he, course. He was, you know, already overpowering them just by transforming. And also she was running because she was afraid for Rickard. You know, she was scared mm-hmm. for Rickard, and so she ran because, I don't know, yeah, maybe she wanted to use the, the rocket launcher to save him or whatever. In any case, it was just, you know, out of care for her beloved. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and uh, I guess her being saved by Daiba uh, and then returned to Rickard's arms provides this nice moment for those two uh, when she kind of falls into his arms. They haven't had a real moment like that. At least we haven't seen a moment like that with them since this whole thing started. It was nice. Yeah. One thing anyway, I like uh, about, you know, the snakes and Rakshas is we mentioned it, but the fact is, you know, more puzzled by anything by it. You know, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, some people were wondering if it was like, I don't know, tickled or in distress or anything like that. But at first, he really looks just, you know, like really puzzled. I wouldn't say amused, but he's just like, eh, what, what's this? What's going on? So mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, that even in that, I'd say, very serious moment, uh, he's... I wouldn't say awkwardness, but his eccentricity is uh, still, you know, shining through. You know, like you, you would imagine if it were Zod, he would just, I don't know, crush the snakes and, you know, get get back to business. But here, Rakshas yeah. is just, you know, he seems to be really just curious and, you know, taking in the scene and just, you know, like, yeah, he, he's just curious about what's going on. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice, you know, little addition to his character. He is, he's, he's almost interested in it. And then the rats come and start gnawing on him and he has this look on his face. He goes like, he looks <laughs> yeah. very, you know, kind of uh, disturbed by that sensation or whatever is happening to him as they're gnawing on him. 
But uh, I guess the other like, big thing that I thought was really cool was uh, the shape that he takes whenever he takes flight. Uh, he kind of just sprouts, you know, his, his cloak forms a, a series of wings and he kind of looks like he's spreading himself out a little bit to become more, uh, yeah. not, not weightless, but. And he, you know. and he also looks like he's sort of coiled to the way he's going through the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good call. It's actually interesting because it also informs us on the size. Like he's he's pretty fucking massive, actually. You know, mm-hmm. like we we could see he was on the on the ground. We could see he was towering over them, but like in flight, he looks really pretty. Like I don't know if he can just stretch on indefinitely or not, but uh, yeah, he seems to be pretty huge. So it will be interesting to see, you know, like in the future in a future fight, to see how big he can get. You know, like I'm I'm thinking surrounding, you know, his opponent from every mm-hmm. side. So it will be interesting to see. The scale is actually difficult to interpret because of there's not much many there's not many options for reference. And once yeah. he starts taking flight until after they shoot him and then he falls, then you can see a direct comparison between him and the size of the uh, the Garuda. So yeah. he's pretty big. He's he's as big as three of them uh, basically. Yeah. Pretty big. Pretty I'd, I'd say at least as big as Grumbel when he's transformed. Sure. Which is yeah. pretty big. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, the other cool thing, of course, of course, you know, I mentioned the, 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 the form that he takes when he's taking flight, but just a really cool apostle form, right? Like super adaptable across all the different, you know, forms and shapes we've seen him take throughout these, these past three episodes, the fights they've had. Yeah, I got it. Very I, versatile. Yeah, I got to say, you know, like, I don't know, there was some, uh, how to say, we didn't know what he, it would be like and. You know, there was some wonder if it would be, I don't know, if it would match the hype around him because he's been very mysterious. And yeah, I'm very pleased with it, actually, with the result. I think it's pretty, pretty badass and definitely one of my favorite apostles, you know, like, I don't know. I think he's still, even after having been transformed and everything, he still got that mysterious side and that strangeness about him, you know, uh, so I, I quite Absolutely. enjoy it. And that's kind of what, how I felt walking away from this episode was like, you know, we saw him transform. We confirmed he's an apostle, but I, I walk away from this episode still full of mystery about not only his background, but like what's under the cloak, et cetera, that kind of stuff. Like what he really looks like, why the, why the fixation on masks, you know, I would love to know a lot more about this character still. So Mira was able to have a little action with him and tease us more, but still not answer all the questions. So there's still a lot more with this character. Mm-hmm. Well, he almost generates more questions just by the fact that it's like we were shown so much that's kind of unexpected. Like, I didn't expect him to just, you know, sprout little disgusting wings yeah. <laughs> flying after them. Like, it's it's really interesting, actually, just that that happened. I mean, that that was maybe one of the more unexpected things. One just, of the s- the, just the way he flew. I mean, the mm-hmm. idea that he could fly wasn't so strange, but that was just really uh, – that added a little twinkle of whimsy, I thought. Yeah, it's and, uh, and it was disgusting. It's it's feeding of his very strange, you know, form. And uh, there's one also one thing is that we actually didn't get any clue about it's uh, the third eye, which you know we still yeah. like we have yeah. no idea what it's about or what it is. So sure, yeah. <clears throat> Back to the flight thing, real quick. Just two things I wanted to point out. Uh, one was uh, the fact that he's gaining on the guard. Uh, he's he's not just you know flying towards them. You know he's gaining on them pretty quickly. You know, he goes from trailing them to right up on them within, I mean, it's a page. You don't know how much time has passed, but pretty quickly you can presume based on that. Um, The other thing based on the the flight I wanted to say was uh, it's interesting that, you know, 
Rakshas is, uh, <laughs> you know, an assassin, lives in the shadows. You kind of have to wonder, and of course we can't know, but it, I, I would, I would, I would assume that he's probably not used his apostle form as much as say Zod or someone like that, right? I, I doubt he has to use this form very often. That being the case, like. Do you think he's ever tried to fly before? I mean, I can't imagine someone who, who's want to stay, wanted to stay hidden has done this. So I kind of wonder if this flight, you know, exercise that he did was a first time thing. Like, could I fly? Sure. Let's try it. And, you know, kind of figured it out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually wondered about that myself, but I think like given how quickly he launches into it and how quickly he gains on them, I would say that, yeah, he, he's probably tried it before. Yeah. And about the apostle forms. I mean, we've seen Zod transform quite a few times, but it was usually in special cases. But you know, it's only, I, it might only be when he meets guts. Yeah, so, <laughs> where he's gonna fight another apostle. Pre- pretty much, <laughs> like, you know. That's only the time. That's the only time we see him. So, yeah. like, I, I get the feeling that you know, uh, beat Grumble, Locus, Zod, you know, any of them, they don't transform, you know, very often. Like, it's not something they need to do very often. So, yeah, it's always interesting to see it happen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like either they have an innate sort of, you know, knowledge of their abilities or they, you know, they probably take time to discover it. Yeah. Like early on. Um, we didn't, other than the him adapting to being able to fly, uh, we didn't learn too much more about the di- the the differentiation between his apostle form and his, you know, human form. His abilities aren't much different. Uh, I mean, he has these multiple tendrils in this form. But, for example, uh, I guess one of the other big differentiators here is uh, his claws are a little bit different. Um, You know, when he's a human form, uh, his little claws that poke out are almost like needle points or like daggers that, you know, come out of his cloak. Here they actually look more like mandibles or like an insect claw kind of thing coming out of his cloak. Is it a little bit different? Um, I think Azil, you pointed out, looks kind of like a scythe uh, in the last episode, whenever yeah. he was slicing open the horse. And here we get to see a much up, much more closely. Uh, you know what it actually is? It's just a weird little insect claw kind of thing. Uh, I don't really know what to. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he's. We already know he's pretty versatile, and I think like I also want to say I, I'm pretty sure we haven't seen like all he can do yet. You know, like I'm mm. sure. Whenever the big fight goes down against him, he'll surprise us again. But, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, it's fitting of his apostle forms that whatever appendages his prowess would be more, you know, monstrous. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, we, we saw those, you know, uh, insectoid-like ones. We also saw the scythe-like ones, you know, in the previous episode. And I think he can pretty much just grow them to any length he wants. So, yeah, again, I, I think we haven't seen the last of them and, he can probably, I don't know, I'm thinking if he were to fight against Guts, you know, I'm reminded of uh, Zondark, where Rakshas could probably sprout, I don't know, dozens of these appendages and just strike at him with from every direction. Yeah. So, would be well, pretty... What's interesting is that we can see, like you said, we can see different ones. And like at the end of this episode, he's got some that aren't quite like the insect claws. They're pointed in a little jagged on the side. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more like spears that he could, you know, like maybe he was going to use to, you know, grab, <laughs> grab onto them, you know, just run them through and, you know, or grab the, the, oh, yeah, okay. just gra- yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there were more pointy, uh, like, you know, piercing appendages rather than cutting ones. And yeah, I think that's a good example of what he can, you know, he's just, you know, he's, uh, I wouldn't say he can transform into anything he wants, but yeah, we know he's got a lot of leeway in that regard. So I, I wouldn't, you know, how to say, put too much, uh, focus on that because I think he can pretty much create 
any anything he wants as long as it's not too complicated. Why doesn't he transform into a bomb? Well, well it, it it has to be knives or stabbing weapons. <laughs> yeah, right. chemicals and moving parts <laughs> won't work. God, that's so fucking nerdy. Oh my god, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you guys just alienated. You know, you, you know that the, like the younger audience w- will not get this reference at all. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. You mean the ones that were born in like 1993? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, well, pretty much. God. You know, like I don't know. My coworkers have no idea. Their about, ger- yeah. their generation's Terminator is Terminator Salvation. Oh God, kill me now! Oh, <laughs> because yeah, to specify this is from Terminator. No, their so. their generation doesn't have a Terminator because they probably don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> so, they, oh, that's they true. Have, they have the Hunger Games, you know. That's the thing. Yeah. Oof. Uh, um, Luca gets a little bit of uh, moolah at the very end. Diaba chucks her some gems or something. It looks like um, diamonds, actually. Oh, are they early? Okay, cool. Yeah. I wasn't able to quite tell. That's what nice. a badass. <laughs> and look at the way he does it, too. Like, he's, he just, it's no Chuck. thing. He's like, yeah. he flicks yeah. it with the two fingers sticking out. Yeah. yeah. Like, there you go. That's right for, into her hand. That's for the food. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought that was pretty nice, actually. You know, uh, it, it feels very, I don't know how to say, very classic. You know, that kind of moves like, oh, yeah, I was powerful and rich all along but thank you guys for your <laughs> kindness you know it's almost like a, a classic russian folklore tale you know yeah yeah be nice to the old the old you know homeless guy yeah He's probably a god well he, he also gave <laughs> He's gonna pay with diamonds you know yeah. he also gave that buried to the emperor of the kushan empire so you know I, sure. honestly not bad for an old you know uh homeless guy like you said what else is he sitting on <laughs> um so diamonds, huh? So Falconia does have a kind of currency, right? Right? Oh God! When did we talk about that again? That was a, a long ago podcast. Yeah, it was just a side thing that I'd, I'd talked about. Can we take a moment to overanalyze the diamonds and think? It like, could be you know, a barter system. Yeah, it could not. It could <laughs> not be about currency, but a barter system. So sure, maybe yeah. it doesn't yield them as much. Richness as we first analyzed, you know, it might be you can only, you know, like there's a limit to it. Uh, yeah, that's about, you know, how far I'm willing to go. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, yeah. those diamonds are also potentially uh, evidence of treason, tying them to uh, these that's characters. Right, they're going to they have to al- launder them. It could also, them. you know, they could also use uh, carbon, you know, uh, from the diamonds, you know, to as a chemical, you know, uh, ingredient. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Rickard, Rickard already left, so that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean this 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 sudden influx of presumably millions of dollars is going to throw off the whole Falconian economy. I mean, this is the secret weapon right here that's going to take down Falconian. Yeah, capitalism, Sweet inflation. That's that's the key. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, at the end here, uh, Rickard manages to do the bazooka uh, attack on. Ruckus. I like how he waits till it's right up close. I, I, I can't tell. I don't have a translation, but I wonder if he actually says it has to be close or it's, it's not, not good yet. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what he says. <laughs> Rickert's going for the headshot. Really like. I you know. I should. I should say. He actually is going for the headshot. You know, but Rakshas manages to dodge it at the last moment. Yeah. But he yeah, was that's going a good point. To blow his fucking face off. Yeah, face off. Uh, yeah, you know, I actually didn't notice the the dodging until just like yesterday. I was watching. Uh, I should I should preface this that 
I didn't actually see this full episode, and I saw it on my phone at first, which was I was at the airport for a while, so it was really difficult to parse what was happening. <laughs> I thought uh, Rockjus's mask was actually exploding in that shot where the the actual missile itself is is blowing up. They have a close up of it. It looked like his mask was exploding. I was like, holy shit, you know, headshot. But yeah, like you said, he dodges and it goes kind of hits the body of him, and then it yeah. you see the actual impact happening there. Takes it in the shoulder. So anyway, uh, is Rika's last name? MacGyver, you know, because that's what it seems like to me. <laughs> well, you know what? Rock just won't be able to get away with that next time because next time Rickert's rocket launcher will be able to lock on target. Yeah. And be a homing yeah. missile. And, you know, so even if it moves his face, it's, it's done. Oh, yeah, it could have motion sensors. Yeah, built yeah. in. Laser yeah. guided. If he's not, like, in a jet at that point. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, what did you guys think of the bazooka? I actually thought it was pretty fucking cool. I definitely did not expect it. Uh, and we, we knew that, you know, he's pioneering some interesting technologies. But I don't know. This, to me, particularly the, the missile itself, it even has, like, fins on it. Like, holy shit. Yeah, well, that's, that's the only way it could possibly work like that. Actually, I was pretty proud of the post I made about it, which is, like, at first I was like, yeah, dude, that's, yeah, that's taking it a bit far, you know, even for me. But... Actually, you know, like he's, he's been working with crossbows uh, for a long time and, you know, like he must have learned, you know, uh, the aerodynamics that are, I would say, proper to missiles and other kind of stuff. And actually that's, you know, if you look at the, I would say, the rocket, that, that's kind of what inspired it. And he's also been working with uh, gunpowder, black powder, whatever. Mm-hmm. And explosive stuff for a while as well. And I guess when you combine the two, you know, well, you know, it makes sense. Actually, the design, I find the design quite, you know, ingenious because it's not overly complicated. It's the same thing that yeah. makes it blow up is what propels it. So it, it can only go a short distance. It's got the fins to uh, keep going straight. You know, like it's, it's, you know, believable. It doesn't, you know, like to me, this works perfectly in the Berserk universe. So I'm actually quite impressed by the design. I don't know where, you know, Mira pulled it off. You know, I, I, I know. <laughs> Like, these kinds of things, you know, some of them have existed, you know, historically, you know, maybe not in that exact shape or form. So I actually wonder if Mira just, you know, uh, created it out of nothing or if he inspired himself from something real. But in any case, it's believable, which is, to me, quite a big of an achievement, you know. I didn't actually follow up on and in, in looking into it, but I did see some people on Reddit specify that it was resembled a, like the early Chinese, uh, you know, Gunpowder type, yeah, mortar, it, handheld mortar kind of thing. Yeah, basically. it's 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 very possible, and it's actually the same uh, kind of stuff that inspired, you know, Guts, uh, Bogan, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chinese pioneered a lot of these things. Chinese and the Indians, you know, were the the ones who pioneered a lot of this kind of stuff. So yeah, I also, I mean, just fundamentally, I really like the shot of him firing. The look on Rock on Rick, <laughs> yeah. Rick's yeah, face it's is great. Just fucking intense. You it's know, great. actually, I wanted to pluck that as an avatar, but I've been, I've been void for so long. It's, I can't. Really. Uh, it's great. I, you I need, hope you he... almost need to build a, an entire uh, like account around that Rickard yeah. monster. <laughs> like... Yeah, <laughs> it's the one we use to ban people. <laughs> You're getting the record launcher, buddy. Sorry. Which, um, yeah, I mean, it is neat just because it is so simple. You basically, it's like a mini bomb launcher. Mm-hmm. And well, I also like that it looks like a Nerf <laughs> missile. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's got the little ball on the end with the stick coming out in the fin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we see the missile in two different ways. You know, we see it on that, you know, the shot of Rickard's face. And then we see it on the back end uh, as it hits right, right before his rock just. 
I, I still, I'm not sure I could draw it myself because it looks like it protrudes at the very end of the front and on the, the following page. I don't, I don't know. Does it have a protrusion or is it a solid ball? I'm, I can't I'm not sure tell. what you're asking about, actually. The shape of the actual well, it looks missile. Like a, it looks like a missile on oh, the, the, when we first see it it's coming a, out. But then when... You know, it's the same shape as a bullet, you know, which is like conical and, you know, uh, I don't know. It's like conical cylindrical. I don't ever know how it's called. Anyway, it's, it's got, you know, a cone at the, at the forward, okay. you know, place. So, so then the... The, the pointy and our, end and we're of that. Just, yeah, it's, yes, that's oh, the point. seeing the inside of it, basically, in that next shot. So is Mirror like, showing his work? <laughs> like, there's a bomb inside. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> what do you mean there's a bomb inside? Okay, so, Azila, look at the next page where right before it explodes. Yeah, I know, you know I know. We can't, you know, we can't see the, the pointy end of it, is my question. Yeah, we, we can't see it, but it's just because it's, you know, from the back. But it's definitely got a, a pointy end. And I think on that panel, it might already be, how to say, hitting Rakshas. So the pointy mm-hmm. end is already hitting the cloak. You know okay. what I mean? It's already, you know, pierced Rakshas. And that's why you can't see the, the pointy end. But it's definitely pointy. Just the same way that... Uh, Guts, you know, uh, cannon cartridges are already also shaped like that, you know, the new ones, which we saw right. a while back. So this makes it more efficient. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we could spend like, I don't know, an hour discussing aerodynamics, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is, you know, conical in shape at the, at the tip. It's, you know, otherwise it wouldn't fly that well. I'm, I'm not necessarily disputing. I'm saying I was confused between, the one yeah. shot and versus the second shot. That's all. So, did you did you understand my explanation about it already hitting the cloak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And uh, I, again, I just a part the top part of it is obscured on that shot, so I was a little confused just initially, just glancing at it. That, that's no, no all. problem. Uh, to, to what uh, Griffiths was commenting on the fact you see some kind of you know I don't know uh, there's a small hole you know yeah with uh, the fuse. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a, that's the fuse part, which also mm-hmm. I don't know if it also works as as an air intake or something like that. But yeah, Oof, that'd be really complicated. Well, you know, it's not it's not that complicated. <laughs> you can make one. It's got a Home Depot. Well, yeah, actually, you know, it has a lot of people. It's like the same kind of guys who make homemade flamethrowers, you know. Mm-hmm. I like to think Rickert made it out of a telescope. <laughs> this is what he does when he gets anything well, like, oh, let's make this into a deadly weapon. Yeah, the launcher <laughs> itself seems to be inspired by that, actually. So yeah. Probably. It's so funny. I can't remember where it was discussed. It might have been on the last episode thread, but we were talking about like the potential for uh, Rickert going over to the Bakiraka camp. Like, What could he do necessarily with a bunch of people that devote themselves in martial arts? Like, Well, I mean... He can bring this kind of technology to them and make them even more incredibly powerful. Well, and the, you know, the, the, go ahead. The thing is that it's not very hot say. It doesn't work very well with their philosophy, which is you know training your body to the extreme. But you know, sure, like yeah. so, there's no reason you can't be complementary. You know. Hmm. I, I mean, there's going to have to be some kind of complementary force. To, uh, otherwise, how do you take down an apostle? You know, with your fists. Yeah. I mean, we saw that the. Um, Tapasa couldn't necessarily take down Rakshas at this yeah, form. So. Actually, that's one of the things I was, you know, thinking about earlier is that, you know, like Rakshas is basically immune to Tapasa, you know, because of what he is. But mm-hmm. I, I was wondering, like, how would Locus, you know, we send their attacks, you know, that's, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking like any, you know, the, the, the big five are, you know, apart, but 
a random apostle would probably get wrecked by these guys, you know, like, you know, Silat, Rickert, the Tapasa, you know, and even Daiba, you know, you know, yeah. like a random, you know, Grant Apostle would just get blown to bits, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point, yeah. actually. It's something I think we've talked about before, but not on the podcast, but like, Mir is actually very clever about who he pairs up when it comes to Apostle fights. You know, just for a few examples, uh, like when Guts takes on Grunbeld, uh, as a human, he's already wounded. So you can't do a one-to-one comparison about would he have taken him down as a full human, as a fully restored? Yeah. You know, or how much of the of the armor was it? You know, would he have taken down Grunbeld? Uh, when Guts takes on Azan, for example, I know it's not an apostle fight, but Azan, uh, or Guts himself, was wounded, not fighting at his full full strength. And he wasn't trying to fight Azan. He was trying to get past Azan over to Farnese and, and in the fight that way. So you don't really get a clear picture of you know, these guys, you know, strength levels against each other. So I think Mir is clever in how he kind of pair, pairs those two things. Like, for example, as you say, the Apostle might be insanely powerful against the average Apostle, but we don't know. We haven't seen that pairing yet, you know, yeah. so it's still kind of mysterious. And, and it would still depend, like, even though I said that, would, you know, blow them to bits, it still depends what kind of an Apostle it is, if they can sure. catch him by surprise or not. You know, like, there's a lot of... That's what I like about Berserk as well, is that it's not... It's not black and white. It's not clear because it's not power level. You know where mm-hmm. you know if nine thousand. If anybody gets <laughs> a, a lucky shot, you know, like on the first strike, it can be decisive. And it's also like again, there's all those examples you mentioned, but it's the same with Serpico, where every time he was, you know, a threat to guts, but because he had managed to put everything, you know, all the advantages is good in his favor, and still he was defeated. So and that doesn't mean he's you know bad, but that means you know. He can, through cunning and everything, manage to Jose. Well, manage, I guess, a strong enemy to make it to at least make it a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, two two separate occasions he managed to do that. Yeah, uh, volume eighteen and volume twenty nine. But I mean, we've seen uh, we've seen guts do it. I mean, we can just sort of compare the technology. You know, like we've seen those apostles where guts will just you know not really pay them any mind and just blow them away with his cannon. You know, like yeah. he, he doesn't even really fight them. You know, they just get killed. I mean. At this point, I mean, Rickert could, you know, could potentially do that to the right apostle. Mm. Moving on. Um, well, after he go ahead. I, I was going to say after he blew up Rakshas. I was just going to say we haven't talked about the fact that there were three Garudas. So I don't know what else there is to say. There were three Garudas and not one. I, I didn't yeah. mention it because I was like, "Yep, there sure were three. Like I, I did not expect <laughs> that. Did uh did Daiba bring Maybe them? the first Garuda, yeah, was pregnant. Yeah. Oh man. You know, I am not putting it past them. I mean <laughs> the shot we saw before there was just one, right? We didn't we see one or hear one? I guess I guess we never really well, saw we, it. We right? saw we saw him fly away on his, and then I think we only heard it in the barn. That's what I meant. The barn. Oh, yeah. So we just assumed it was one. Yeah. Correct. Well the thing is um yeah, you know, in Japanese you can like you can use a single form to speak about plural, plural form, single, single is kind of crazy. So, yeah, we, we saw him fly away in Britannis and when he was, you know, with, uh, Ganishka, you know, at the very end, he was also flying mm-hmm. on, on top of one. But yeah, that didn't exclude the fact there could be more. So. Yeah, guess- exactly. We only saw him summon one, but by the same token, <laughs> why couldn't he summon more? So. Yeah. yeah, and also the presumption was, you know, Garda itself is like a mystic, mystical bird, like a, a singular mystical bird well, right well yeah the thing is yeah in like in the indian mythology but just mm-hmm. like you know the rakshasa a whole race of evil creatures and in berserk rakshas without the a at the end is 
one apostle. Um, it's not mm-hmm. really, you know, like Mira just takes up the cool words, uh, cool names, to, you know, because uh, it's a nice homage and uh, and all that. But and the Garuda is not really like the mythical one. It's not at all. It's a good being. Uh, it's not like these guys. So. Sure, sure, sure. I, I, I just meant that that's kind of what informed us to think it was one and not plural. Yeah, sure. Well, and that and the so. fact we had only seen one. <laughs> yeah, that as well. Sure. Anyway, yeah, there were three, and that immediately resolved the issue we had last episode of, well, they are likely going to escape with Yaiba and Garuda, but, like, how is that going to work? There's so many people, and there's three of them. Problem solved immediately, you know. Yeah, so they fly away uh, with the sky, with the uh, the branches covering the moonlight. Once again, a very cool effect. It's see also, it multiple times. It's also interesting to see that, as we had expected, you know, as we had discussed, uh, people actually noticed there was a commotion. So sure, actually, they better wa- have after all that shit. Yeah, I actually wonder what you know, uh, what's say, who will that go down? What will the will the after effects of this night be? Because you know. Like, we see the girls, they'll, they'll have to manage some way or another, but I wonder if, like, Falconia probably didn't have that kind of thing before, so that mm-hmm. would be a new thing to manage. I wonder if that would be the start of a change of atmosphere within the city. That's kind of how I took it as well. I mean, even just last episode, the fact that there was a battle in the streets, you know, that is a dramatic change, not only in atmosphere, but also... It threatens the sense of safety everyone has there. You know, they're going to say the immediate question is, were there magical creatures within the walls? Aren't the wingstones supposed to protect us? You know, it's it's a public relations nightmare for for Griffith. <laughs> wow, that and some people already know there's monsters in there. So, yeah, well, a few. Yeah, well, those... supposed, but the po- the point is they're supposed to be protected, and something like this just fundamentally isn't supposed to happen. That's the whole point of having these high walls. You know. Yeah, I, I want, anyway, I'm not even sure there will be like much of a, I think it will be more like whispers, you know, or, mm. but, uh, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see. It may not be too much of a commotion. I mean, they can probably control or suppress anything like that anyway, yeah. but I mean, we already heard Luca talking about like essentially the secret police will take yeah. you away if, yeah. uh, if they think you're a traitor. <laughs> so it's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking about. Is that kind of stuff? So I, I wonder if that, if next time we will be uh, shown more of that. You know, more of people. You know, I wouldn't say like what we saw in uh, Windham in volume, you know, twenty-seven and everything, where there was a resistance, you know, against Ganishka. But yeah, people, you know, whispering in uh, dark alleys, that kind of stuff. People talking under their breath about, you know, things that are sure. happening and that are strange. It would be funny for someone like Griffith giving a speech and someone runs up to the podium demanding answers and like Zod crushes their head like, <laughs> you know, like, here's your answer. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> Police chief Zod wearing the hat with the baton. Just, yeah, just beating people down. <laughs> uh, I mean, all this talk about the, the witnesses and all that stuff, but like, I mean, <clears throat> the point is, you know, Mimira did choose to surface that to us. He did choose to sh- draw in these people that were seeing it. He could have just just as easily just skimmed past that and not had that little panel of the people waking up and seeing all these things. But he chose yeah. to show that. So I think that is significant. I agree. Anyway, um, in the final page, we see Griffith exactly where he was in 338, still <laughs> motionless, still stunned over Rickard leaving. Now twice. He should just have his hand up to his cheek still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hasn't moved an inch. So 
there was much talk in the thread about um, seeing the full moon. You know, we even discussed the implication of the episode title a few times back, a full moon over the or moonlight on the on the capital city. Uh, you know, whether we'll see the the boy in the moonlight or not, the moonlight child or not in this story arc, but uh, it was not to be in this particular part. And so the question was raised. We're seeing Griffith paired with the full moon, and until now, you know, the running theory, of course, is that uh, during full moon, the boy is able to wrestle himself away from Griffith, whether physically or astrally, however you want to argue it. Uh, during full moons, the boy is supposed to have control. That's the running theory. Well, uh, of course, you know, he can't take ahead. control on specific occasions. Yes, and I was just going to, I was clarifying, you know, that's the kind of the immediate jump to conclusions, Matt, conclusion for that look, but <laughs> that doesn't necessarily rule out or impact the theory because, you know, it might give the boy the option to take control and do whatever he needs to do to leave the body or take the body with him, but it doesn't necessarily always the case. And so that's kind of where we're left, uh, wondering, you know, yeah. maybe he's there, about, maybe he's about to transform right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, gonna, I was going to say. I mean, he could potentially, like, in the next episode, we'll see him. You know, the old Wolfman <laughs> like transition. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah, the, the armor PC is falling down, and you know, the yeah, the t- <laughs> in a way, that would be pretty great. But yeah, I. I my first reaction was that it doesn't change anything at all. But I mean, after reading you and Griff go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, I, I do kind of think it does raise only in the sense that it gives us an additional layer of understanding about how it works because now we know it's not a wolf man reaction kind of thing. And I know you guys are joking just now, but we see that there is an additional nuance to it, that it's not a one-to-one Full moon in the sky. See ya, bitches. It's, it's not necessarily like that, you know. <laughs> unless yeah. he's uh, unless he's in a fugue state right there. I mean, we right? Yeah. If he's, exactly. So. If he's catatonic right now. We yeah. Don't prob- he, it, that like, would, to me, to, to me, that would betray this scene because the, the scene is him and Rickard have this this parting glance. Actually, yeah, that's that whole panel. Actually, you know, well, I, I like the fact that this panel of Rickard looking back, and in the same shot you see Griff- uh, Griffiths is a. Uh, Reminiscent of what happened with Guts uh, when Guts yeah, left Britannis. Of course. However, I do think the fact uh, we see, you know, only the back of Griffith's head is a uh, kind of, you know, I see. I think it's interesting, and I think it actually dun, would, dun, dun. yeah, it it would allow for uh, Griffith to actually, yeah, not be looking at Rickert, but be looking at, like I don't know, at the moon, as a tree, or whatever you want to be his eyes to be glazed over. But in any case, it allows for it, and uh, and I think it's interesting. Well, it's a very, it's a very loaded shot, as you pointed out in the thread. Like, it's not just him looking at the, you know, the Garuda flying away. It's also, you know, yeah, you can see the spirit tree looking, you know, very clear there, looking almost physical, but also, you know, a little like, you know, like, yeah, ghost, ghostly, yep. you know, in the sky. So it's like, there's a lot going on in that shot. Yeah, and as a- you said, it could, it could easily work for multiple purposes. Not all of them were aware of yet. Yeah, and the tree actually looks like more tangible than usual to me, at yeah. least in that shot. So that's also an interesting detail. Well, uh, I mean, there's still stars shining through it in that shot. It's still yeah, yeah. transparent. Yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, it does look, I don't know. I mean, you, you don't you think it looks a bit like usually we we see it from, I don't know, far away. It's a bit, you know, blurry, whatever. It, but in this shot specifically. I don't remember it having like, uh, you know, sort of having being that opaque, you know, where uh, it's got like, you know, 
sort of whiteness inside it? I think it's been actually difficult to tell because we've seen it on daylight most of the time. And so a blue background doesn't inform as much as here where it's very clearly opaque. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we have some contrast here. Either. It's also we can see it in the shot above that. Which yeah. I think. I know, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying it is a very unique shot. I'm just saying it's, it is very informative of the tree, but it's difficult to compare that to our previous because we haven't seen it quite at night quite like this before, other than 331 when we saw it. You know, with the, the boy escaping on it. Anyway, um, I also you know I really like this shot, the final final panel, just because of how the city's covered half in darkness a little bit, and this thought that was really cool looking. What I like is uh, how you see, like, so it's not it's nothing new, but the scale between the city below yeah. and the palace, which is so big, like the walls, you, yeah. you, you can tell it's yeah. something that was added that was not, you know, like, it's not the original, it's like, I wouldn't say like a wart on top of something, but it kind of reminds, like, it's, it's like you put a huge concrete building on top of an old, you know, city that dates back to a thousand years, it's so huge and like, I don't know, design, it's got that kind of weird, you know, uh, modernist design. And, yeah, I don't know, it looks ominous, like it's just sitting, I, you know. I want to see Skull Knight, you know, sort of standing on the wall looking at it and just go, oh, that is so tacky. It is pretty, <laughs> like, pretty tacky. Oh, you ruined it, you know, you you hawk, and you, <laughs> and, you know, your, your stupid bird motif. <laughs> <laughs> Birds everywhere. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope we get to see more of that because, like, I don't know, just from an architectural point of view, it's it's a bit fascinating to me. I really wonder how it's all set up inside and everything. And with yeah. that, the dome still overlooking. Like, I feel, I don't know, we we went to the dome a bit, but I still feel like we haven't seen all it's got to offer, you know. I don't know. It's just... We sure. Saw, like, it's so big. It's so fucking huge, actually. And... uh we just saw an arena of apostles fighting. In a way, it's almost disappointing, you know. I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, some crazy secrets down there. I want, I want to see. Well, that's how <laughs> I was going to end this. Actually, was you know, it really does seem. Like, we've said this a few times now, and we've been wrong, but it cer- cer- certainly does seem now like, with the accompanying text, this is it for our Falconia section. I can't imagine it focusing much more. I know Azil, I think you and Griff as well uh, talked about like maybe an additional page or a panel wrapping things up, but. To me, that'd be uncharacteristic of Mira in the past to do something like that. Well, yeah, it was uh, it was very speculative, but yes, the idea was that you know, if we wanted to stick with the, with the boy motif, the mm-hmm. next page could be like of Griffith turning into boy and then going to see his parents. That would make for a very unusual uh, because Mira never, almost never does that. So, before a very unusual, uh, what to say, transition. Transition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I there are a few exceptions that come to mind. One was the uh, 295 or 296, uh, which is when uh, – oh, sorry, 195 is when Griffith is pulling out the souls after the – whenever he meets Mule and Mule dedicates himself. I think the final page of that is a transition to Guts uh, and their party fighting like uh, you know monsters at night. Yeah, it does jump over to them, but I don't think it has something where it's like – we see the shooting star on that page, and then we see the shooting star right, you're right. with guts. You know, it usually he'll just reset. Yep, yeah. it's usually a clean cut. Yeah. Anyway, um, but um, I guess what I was going to say was, if this truly is our final Falconia episode for the moment, it does leave, I mean, quite a li- quite a bit on the table that we'd hoped had been explored more. Uh, one being, I fully expected to see. 
another group of apostles come to kind of investigate, you know, the commotion. Of course, things happened extremely rapidly since the last episode. You know, yeah. like with you know, just from the flamethrower being used, you can you can kind of walk your, your head through that. That was probably five, six minutes ago, you know, by the end of this episode. You know, it happened very, very quickly. Yeah, but, you know, it's a big city. Like, I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect, you know, Apostle Patrols to be, you know, uh, like patrolling through the city at night. I mean, that's, at least that's not how I've pictured things so far. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's... Well, that's, that's why I'm saying it happened quickly. That Therefore, they wouldn't have been able to arrive in time, even if they yeah, did exist. You know, and I, and I would think uh, the first responders would be humans, you know. Sure. Not apostles, because you know, like you get, you put apostles in the street at night. That's just a bad idea. I mean, it's, it's a recipe for just, disaster. Yeah, it's accidents waiting to happen. So I don't think that would be happening. And also, they they make children crossing guards in our country. That's just that's a recipe for disaster too. <laughs> they do it anyway. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't expect any of the kind of stuff. I think uh, Rakshas here was. Acting pretty much on his own, you know, maybe on direct order, but you know, he was acting alone, and I wouldn't expect. Like I think after falling down, he just regrouped and, you know, mm. left quietly. Slinking in the shadows, yep. sadness, sobbing to himself. <laughs> pretty much. Well, probably pretty pissed, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't seem to get like angry. Yeah, that's I mean, true. at least we haven't seen him angry. It's more like you know, he's just gonna be sort of like you know perplexed and disappointed in himself and like you know what the hell just happened there you know those yeah. those those cast of characters are weirder than i am and I, that's I, why they were able to you know you know get I'm, over on him i'm thinking he started this by you know being uh what's uh, pissed at Rickert or at least wanting to off Rickert for what he did to griffiths but i think now it's like it's personal you know i think mm. it's really yeah. really gotten personal and uh you know, if what Silat said about him is true, I think we can expect him to maybe go after them in the in the future. You know, like not He'll right, be back, not right away, but eventually down the line. Yeah, I think he might he might just do that. Yeah, and I mean, just knowing you know uh, wherever whatever fortifications they're gonna have where they're going. I mean, he's gonna he's still gonna be able to fly in. You know, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah, and that's. I can't remember if we mentioned it last episode or not, but, you know, Rakshas being a former member of the Baki Raka, yeah. very likely he knows exactly where they're going, you know? Of course, by then, uh, Rickert will have the place outfitted with rocket launchers. And yeah. Kid <laughs> guy did, you know, missiles. <laughs> but uh, an interesting thing, we were discussing the, the idea of sort of a transition and, you know, all that with the boy and Griffith and the moonlight. And, I mean, one of the biggest things reasons I think that wouldn't happen is because whatever's going on with that is certainly Mira is, uh, is fucking with us and <laughs> that he's yeah. not going to reveal his hand. So more likely, I think the bigger question is what, if we do jump over to the sea and the ship, do we think the boy is going to just automatically show up because it's the moonlight? And I don't mean automatically as in he is, you know, he has to, but just because, you know, it's the moonlight, it's an opportunity for that. Do you think we will see him? appear for Guts and Casca again. Well, this, to me, there's a, a few aspects to that. The first is, like, I don't think we're seeing the full moon for no reason, you know? I don't think yeah. it's just... I think Mira's got something in mind. At the same time, like, the boy has only appeared twice so far. And, you know, like, it's uh, it's tempting to try to make, you know, uh, generalities to extrapolate from just, you know, these, but it's just twice. And, you know, so... 
I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so has sure. Has it been? Uh, has it been consecutive full moons though? Well, we as far as we know, but we, it's, it's difficult yeah. to tell. Honestly, I, I don't think so because, like, I, I doubt they just you know. I mean, because I was looking for some information for how long they'd been at sea, but you know, because I couldn't tell yeah, off the top. It's, of that, it's impossible. Honestly, it, it could be, but it could be. I don't know. It's. Uh, I, I would have to check. Actually, it's. It's not. Yeah. Im- it's not impossible, but you know, it's also not a sure thing. So, because I mean, if there's nothing to deny it, then it would be like you know, three consecutive appearances potentially. Yeah, yeah, it could be. So there's that. There's the fact that also there might not be a need for him to come. So yeah. that would reinforce the fact he just comes, you know, uh, whenever he can. But also, if they're actually going near Skellig, you know, I think the full moon uh, being up could be interesting for a few reasons. Because we, you know, have some expectations about the fact uh, it might be warded against evil or against just nosy humans, you know, in general. So we don't know how that's been affected by the fusion of the astral and uh, corporal worlds. But, you know, there might be something at play there with the full moon, them getting to Skellig, you know, uh, I, I think it might be interesting. So, you know, it could be interesting in that regard without, you know, the boy. But I, I you know, I, I would like to see the boy again. I'm, I like him. I mean, my answer to that is just, it's like I said in the thread, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily a one-to-one thing at all times. I think the boy chose very particular times to come visit his parents because they were in, you know, danger. Yeah, I agree. Or would would be in danger. For, from a narrative point of view, it would have to, you know, to be useful as well. You know, it's not, you know, again, if they're just on the ship and they just get to the, you know, to the island and just the whole episode is just dialogue as they get to the island, it might not be interesting or it might be, you know, it's, it's, as always, you know, it's one of these episodes where we have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe it will open, it will be the day, you know, maybe it will, it will open, it will be daylight and, uh, that's, yeah. you know, a non-event. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I, I tend the timing, to... The other timing issue is, of course, the 331 ended with them ruminating about the boy. And for him to appear the next time, even though there's been a, t- a time duration, it would just be a little wonky, I think, in terms of storytelling. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to, how to say, to be too, you know, uh, certain about things because Mira can surprise us. So I, I just think so, I just find it I just find it interesting that you know uh, Mira chose to make the full moon appear here. I mean, we, we knew it was gonna come, you know, uh, the previous night when Rikat was lo- looking out the window, and it was almost the full moon. So I don't know. I don't think I, I tend to think in Berserk, you know, that few things happen by coincidence, and I don't think like this shot at the end of the episode. I don't think it's a coincidence. And so I don't know yet, like, we don't know yet what's going to come, but, you know, I'm pretty sure something, something's going to come. I mean, if nothing else, we could just, it could just be a shot of the boy looking at them, you know, on their way into to Skellig. Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah. it doesn't even have to be anything significant like that. Yeah, it could be standing on a rock like the Skull Knight, you know, yeah. back, back in the and day. It was or... still, and it would still be, you know, a month between times, you know, that they... I know what you're saying. I would be weird. Like the last time we saw them, they were talking about the boy. And then the next time we see them, hey, the boy showed up again. It's a month later. But I mean, it was, you know, so long ago. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. you it know, was, reading terms. Yeah, it was two volumes ago. Well, I, I, could, interject I for- could hardly remember what happened, you know, before I went back and looked. 
not much. They had to beat this G god and they they <laughs> te- teased a bunch but of stuff about. I mean, what was with like happen. you know the specifics of the boy and all and all yeah. of that. You know where it was like it's not like that. Those are the sea god and all that is what you know sticks in your mind. Sure. Uh, I don't wanted to interject real quick to dismiss my own theory there about. We just saw the boy, so we can't see the boy again. I mean, you you, you will remember Griff when I said after Griff was, in, was incarnated <laughs> in 21, there's no way Guts and Griffith are going to have yet another face-to-face very shortly after because that would be weird. And then <laughs> literally three episodes, four episodes later, they're face-to-face. It's like, what? Well, it's ah. not going to be any sort of uh, low – Low class physical altercation. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I can. There's one thing that your point, I mean, there's one point you make that's true is that I think, uh, Jose, Mira is still going to be keeping some secrets, you know, about, you know, this whole thing. I don't think he plans on revealing it like we're not going to get a dump and then, oh, it's all like that. No. So yeah, sure. I think he's still going to be stringing us along uh, for a while. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna drive us even. That's what makes me think of it is how perfect would it be for him to end on this shot? And then in the next shot, we immediately see the boy looking at the moon and it's just like, yo, quit, quit fucking with us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, honestly, yeah, that's like, it's, it's so, totally possible that you know and it's exactly like that's his style you know that's exactly what you do honestly uh, yeah i i wanted to talk a little bit real quick about uh, you talking azil you said you can't it can't be a coincidence the way these two things are being paired and you're right because mira has actually been a, a very intentional about when he shows us the phases of the moon previously yeah. one one that people often point to is uh, volume twenty eight when uh, Griffith is uh, you know picking up Charlotte's bed and carrying them out of Wyndham, you know you see the moon and it's just it's just slightly occluded. It's, just, it's, like, a, it's like a little bit is still occluded yeah. on the very edge of it, and so it's not a full moon. And so that's kind of how he bolstered the theory as well. It's not a full moon, so that's why we can see Griffith and not the boy. And of course, this kind of throws that all up in the air. But you know, obviously, I've already explained how we can rationalize that. Yeah. But the point being. This is kind of like a dropping the mic moment because this is saying, well, they can be on the same screen at the same time, on the same page at the same time. So there, there's that too, Mira is saying. Anyway, I guess that's a wrap for this episode. Um, I guess we'll be back in a month and we'll maybe be on the boat, the ship. Not the boat. Yeah, we'll be on the ship, maybe for the last time. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Next to last time. What a promise! It's like, oh, I mean, how long is how long have they been going to there? It's been uh, like ten, twelve years. Oh, it's been nine years. Okay, ten years very soon. <laughs> well, I, I that, that, that includes that, that includes uh, yeah. If we include the uh, let's say so, since they set sail, is yeah. how I like to Look, say. It. Guys, it's another solitary island. Let's stop mm-hmm. there for dinner. <laughs> Why right, no. it actually is no. probably a solitary island. Yeah, Skellig probably. I, I I don't know. Skellig's probably at least as big as the Lost Island. Yeah. It was a fucking joke. Just kidding. Yeah, just uh, you. I'm I'm having you, a stroke. You broke, yeah, you, you broke his brain. You just you know I'm I'm dying here. Call an ambulance. The the Elf King will have four toes. Oh Jesus! Well, Christ. you know when Go I was... fuck yourself. <laughs> Get out of here.
I don't even I don't even remember that reference to Lost. But really, the statue, the giant statue on the beach. Yeah, okay, it's fucking yeah. just that a was broken foot. My God, what a terrible show! I think that was bigger on the message boards, wasn't it, than probably on the show. Nah, they called Where it everything? out on the show. They said the the statue has four toes. That show was like oh. line. Yeah, that, that show was line is it anyway where it's like you know nothing mattered the points don't matter at the end just we're just gonna throw a bunch of crap out there pretty much anyway yeah um speaking of the island i was thinking this is just random speculation because we were discussing you know the island and if the boy you know i was thinking of would the boy show up one if it was the full moon when they got there would the boy actually go onto the island with them would that be weird would you know and i was also yeah, could he? I mean, you know, and I was just thinking of the branches too, and you know, sort of how the God Hand, you know, kind of appropriate, you know, powers and have taken over the world. What if they had their own sort of, you know, and we obviously saw a powerful tree outside Shirke's. What if they had their own like spirit tree there, you know, a massive one, kind of like this, and you know, the, the God Hand was actually, you know, ripping it off and cribbing it with, uh, with this whole thing with Ganeshka. I mean, this is just totally, I mean, you know, breaking. Speculation. Well, I don't. No, I don't totally. think it... I've always thought, actually, even before we saw uh, Ganeshka and everything, I thought the, you know, there might be a tree there. And when we yeah. when we knew that he's the king of the flower storm, you know, like my immediate thought was like, yeah, he's gonna be like they're gonna gonna have a huge fucking tree there and that kind of stuff. And you know, like right. th- then we saw the flashback with guts and uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Chich. Chich. Which is, uh, you know, like, it's the first time we see an elf that's not, uh, a pisky, you know, that's not, you know, associated with the wind element, but with a plant. And, you know, like, to me, that's so obviously, like, so clearly an indication, a hint that, uh, the king might be like that, you know. At the same time, when Shuruke talks about him, we see a shot that seems to have wings, but, you know, then it's just, you know, I mean, it's just an illustration, could be anything. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I think they might have a tree, but at the same time, what would be cool is if it wasn't a huge ass tree like, uh, the one Ganishka created, but you know, like a, you know, I don't know, a smaller one, a, a more, you know, but like, you know, still very powerful. You know what I mean? Like if the, yeah. the king of the floor storm had his own tree, he was associated with one, but at the same time, not being huge, but still radiating with power or having, you know, mysterious stuff. Like, I don't know, maybe it's sap. Would be what would cure Casca. I don't know. It's just throwing shit out there. But yeah, there's there's many 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 things that could uh, could happen. It could be very cool. With that you're not. I mean, I was going to say exactly that as Ilya said better than I would have. But I was just going to say those two things: the king's name and the nature of his name, rather, and Cheech showing an elf who draws power from a plant. And to me, those are just two big hints. But I've I've always since the fl- uh, King of the Flower Storm name was known i've always kind of pictured a tree being if not centerpiece to his power then at least centerpiece to his visage right or like his throne room will have some kind of massive tree yeah you know motif to it you know yeah. because of the nature of his name yeah but uh you know you're right griffiths and it's also something i've ruminated before that it's possible the, you know like what they did with ganishka it's possible it's uh how to say uh like an imitation of that i don't know but it, yeah it could be it could be and you know like to go back to what you were saying in your post about what Shuruke says about the king, which is, uh, like, he knows the hidden truths of the world and that kind of stuff. Maybe, you know, uh, the Ganishka tree is also in that way an imitation of that. You know, it's possible it's uh, ripping yeah. off. We, we don't know yet, you know, the power plays God and are, are doing, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they are 
you need to screw uh, all the powers that are not them, pretty much, and to mm-hmm. get like total control over humans and the world. And I think, yeah, that, that you know, uh, will use this kind of stuff, like, you know, imitating other things and replacing them, I guess. <clears throat> Still, um, th- to add on to that, in terms of, like, speculating about the future, you know, with, with, with us closing this particular, you know, era of the Falconia thing, we're yet again, even more than we ever were before, on the horizon of things to come, not knowing exactly what's coming next. Like, you know, you could kind of presume, I mean, I called Rickert coming to Falconia. It made sense of all people for him to be the one that kind of take us through Falconia. But even that card has been played now. So I don't know what is, to, is ahead on, in terms of Falconia story. And I don't know what's ahead for the Skellig story beyond, of course, Casca's restoration. Well, beyond that, it's a complete unknown. There's, there's one thing I'd like to say. Is, uh, if we reflect back on this uh, whole little, you know, uh, time in Falconia, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's been uh, more than more than awesome. Definitely one. Oh of yeah, absolutely. Extreme, I mean, fuck. Extremely strong part of the story. I mean, very, very powerful. Yeah. Like almost, it only went from you know great to better. Even though it was impossible, but it still managed to do it. And, um, and actually, yeah, it's been very interesting. Actually, things happened, you know, I, I always pictured it would happen a bit differently than that, but in a way, Mura managed to reverse what I expected personally, and at the same time, to cram in everything at once. Like, I thought, yeah, Rickert would see, uh, Griffiths, like, being revert from afar, and actually, he came in and he, he did just that. We, we saw the whole ceremony thing. Then he got to see him up close, you know, uh, as you guys expected. And then he, you know, slapped him. That was, like, we, we thought he would refuse his offer, obviously, but, not like not in this you know incredible way, and then you know he was. Yeah, we didn't think he would touch the untouchable one. Yeah, yeah, which is actually very you know as it was very clever, very clever scene. And yeah, makes like in insight it makes all the sense in the world. And then Rakshas, and then you know everything with Luca and Daiba and the Bakiraka. It's uh yeah, it's been it's been incredible. It's been, well, yeah, it's been so cool because it's like it's it's answered a lot of questions, posed a lot more. It's been very satisfying to see, you know, sort of Griffith held accountable for the Hawks by, you know, not just Guts, you know, like being angry with him and him sort of dismissing that. But, you know, it coming from someone like Rickert, where it's like he's he's yeah. a lot more calm and level headed. Yeah. And sort of you would take that more seriously. But it's also this because of that, there's this great sort of nostalgia even though it's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of new developments and new things, there's also, you know, this also nostalgic angle to it that makes it very satisfying, but yeah. without relying on that, obviously. And it could even have, you know, I'd say, it could even have, uh, like, started something within Griffiths, some dart, you know, some, some, yeah. Thing. Like, and anyway, even this final, just, even this, this been, final page. He has been standing there for like 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, to me, that's the atmosphere here. Uh, on top of all the theory crafting we've done in the past 15, 20 minutes here about this last page, to me that, that the emotion of that scene is still that, that, you know, him reacting to Rickert rejecting him, you know, yeah, yeah, and it's, uh, on top it's, of, of course, what happened in 338 and all that. But Yeah. And that's also in, in a part, in a way, thanks to Rickert looking back, you know, because he can't possibly yeah. be looking back at Griffiths because they're too far. But uh, yeah, looking back at Falconia, at whatever, and you know, at what he's yeah, leaving behind. It's a symbolic gesture. In, in a in a way, you know, Mira managed to cram like all my expectations about pretty much everything, and just cram it all in one segment that was much smaller than what I anticipated. And then 
he like outdid it uh, by you know ten times. You know, so it's it's pretty pretty amazing. I think people who read the series now, you know, should understand that you know in ten years this will seem like a fucking incredible moment. You know, like I I know when Guts got the Berserk Armor, for example, people at the time weren't very appreciative of how transformative moment it was, but. Yeah, this uh, is, I, that was a. I remember that time very well. It was fucking exciting. It was fucking exciting for me, anyway. I yeah, I, I know, but yeah. I don't know if you remember comments on the forum. It was pretty terrible, and I, I hope people now actually appreciate how fucking great this is. Yeah, it's been a great volume. Maybe one more to go before the volume wraps. Yep. Well, that'll do it for now, guys. Uh, we'll be back in a month. And to talk about 342, the final one for volume 38. Tune in next time. Star Wars. It's back. Without Lucas this time, thank God. He's yeah. been locked away. So I actually didn't even know there was a new trailer out. My wife had just, who had been ambivalent about the new movies, and myself as included, just simply like texted me saying, like, you need to find tickets for the next Star Wars. And I'm like, why? What? Like, I don't even give a shit about this. She said, she they said, got to you too, huh? <laughs> she, she said, like, uh, well, the new trailer changed my mind. I'm like, okay. I mean, I didn't even bother checking it at that point. And it was like a couple days later, I was like, okay, sure, I'll watch this thing. And I was like, oh, wow, this was actually really good. You know, actually, beat the uh, first, you know, second or third trailers, all of them did the same for me, which is like, you know, I'm trying not to be excited, but, you know, when the music plays and all that shit, I'm like, fuck, man, I gotta see yeah. this. I gotta see it. Never mind anything, I still gotta see it, you know. For yeah. me, my, my my turn happened like you know I said in the thread like what concerned me the most about the, the initial trailer was its reliance on pure nostalgia, like showing the Millennium Falcon, the X Wing, the Crash Star Destroyer, and ending with Han and Chewie. Like that, that's that, that's bringing nothing new to the table necessarily, you know. And that's what I liked about the new trailer was almost all of it was new settings, you know, digging into these new characters just a little bit, you know, all that stuff. Just you know, that's what sold me on it. I'm well, still... let me ask you a question on that. Did okay. you like all the new stuff in the prequels? Because, you know, they had a lot of stuff they hadn't established before. <laughs> so... uh, good, good new stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. which is like, you know, the fight with Darth Maul and that's about it, right? Mm. <laughs> Even that was sort of sure why not to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I, one well, thing I... I, I... I threw that out there in the thread. It's like, we've only seen Star Wars be bad by George Lucas. Maybe it was just because you have to have those balls, basically. Like, if this is actually, it might be hard to screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, handled by professional, you know, people. Put yep. all the pieces in place, they'll play themselves out. It's got a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, you, you, play the, you play the John Williams music, and you have guys, you know, say epic-sounding stuff, and you're mm-hmm. gold. Yeah, yep. pr- pretty much. You know, I think uh, I honestly think it's uh, very, very difficult to screw this up. And you know, like given who's running the show now, I mean, Abrams is not exactly the one I trust the most, but the producers, Disney, everything, the guys behind the whole Marvel stuff. I think these guys, you know, like they can't fuck this up. You know, I, you know the worst... and they've got uh they've got all the old people, a yeah. lot of them, of yeah, the, true. The Empire, you know, writing it and everything. So it's like, hey. They're doing it the right way. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, at at worst, it will just be 
comfortable and not taking any risks, you know, and just be like, yeah, it's good. Could have been incredible, but it's just good. But yeah, I don't think it would be anywhere near as bad as uh, the prequels. That, that's my fear, actually, is that it'll be like the production itself is like a finely tuned clock to the point that it has no rough edges, you know? Yeah. That it's just telling a very bare-bones story for the purpose of marketing all these fucking toys. The end, yeah. you know? That's well, my fear, but... The, t- the, the t- toys are back! Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing is, you know, like, if you take Star Wars at, at its most basic, it's a very simple tale, you know, it's like almost a folk tale, which just has a a coat of science fiction on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's also why it's so hard to screw up. You know, I mean, what's to screw? You, you, you take young people on a quest to discover themselves while saving the world, you know, I mean, all the universe. You know, how can you screw that? That being said, I'm not a huge fan of the new cast so far. So, I'll I'm wait. fine with them. I mean, they, they haven't offended me in any way yet. I mean, they just said like two yeah, lines yeah. so far. That's mainly, that's the main line. It's not do I like them, it's how much do they offend me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just, you know. Like, so far, so good. I, I hope they get better. You know, I, I still got the, you know, like the Anakin Skywalker stuff. You know, that's still, well, you know. I, I've got that still, you know, uh, weighing on my, on my heart, you know. Like, uh, that never made sense, though. Like, even from the outset, it seemed like a shitty, just shitty move. <laughs> Let's put an eight-year-old at the head of the cast. You well, know? Yeah, you know, you I'm, know, I'm not even talking about the kid. I'm actually uh, talking about uh, Kristen uh, Hinstainson or whatever his okay. name is. Because the kid, you know, the kid was, yeah, he was a kid. He was annoying. But, you know, like, he did not offend me like the other dude did, who just the bad acting, the, the phoniness of all of it, you know, I mean, that, that was terrible. I, actually, I still think, uh, episode one, which I've never seen it again since the first time I saw it in the theater, it's the one that least bothered me, you know. Ooh, dude. Oh, it's, no, it's, if it's you, really if you, bad. If you watched it again, oh man, it's the worst. Well, it's, I, I thought that too. I'll take you guys. To- yeah, tell me. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Like, I thought it was the least offensive of them. But I think it was just, that was like when our <laughs> Star Wars goodwill was at its peak. Because you'd and forgotten. I, I, and I thought the second one was the worst. And then the third one was like, eh, you know, that was, you know, yeah, thank God it's over. It's pretty much what I but, said. But, uh, yeah, in retrospect, the the first one is just, it's just a terribly done movie. I mean, it just has a, it has like all these quick cuts, like scenes will be like 10 seconds long. And then oh. it'll go to something else, and it's nonsensical. Well, I'll take your words for it because I don't plan on ever watching it again. <laughs> yeah, don't don't bother. <laughs> so enough about the shitty Star Wars. Uh, yeah, let's get away from that. I mean, I guess I guess I don't really have a lot to say that I haven't already said in the thread. Um, my my opinion changed based on the trailer, so I am interested and mildly excited about this instead of just being kind of like null. So yeah, and I guess well, you hit on something interesting. I think in the when you said. You hope it isn't just a very easy, safe, cookie-cutter story that they do manage to actually, you know, throw throw some curveballs in there sure. to really make it interesting and give it a chance to, you know, sort of elevate beyond just being, you know, popcorn entertainment, kind of like Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they'll throw some things in there. And Z- it's also that balance of not doing something, again, that will you know, kill some sacred cow and, you know, offend us, you know, like if Luke is, Luke's evil now. (laughs) He's still a zeal stunder. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, what, what do you mean about Kylo Ren? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do, like, based on, like, I I literally haven't looked into any of this at all, I just saw the trailers, 
and and a poster. And the thing that st- struck me is like Luke is isn't anywhere to be seen. And I'm like, you know, he's so obviously Kylo Ren, and like at the end of the first movie, he'll be revealed to not really be evil or to be I don't know. Uh, to turn good again or that kind of shit. It was just, you know, like that's the first thing I saw. It is like, but we we also see that one shot of him putting his hand on R two D two. Yeah, where it doesn't look like Kylo Ren, unless our Moonlight Boy theories are going to bleed yeah. over. Yeah, well, you know, now that you mention it, so yeah, yeah, I I know we see that, but yeah, I was, you know, I don't know, it's uh, it's something that occurred to me, but I. Like, I literally haven't looked into it at all, so I'm not at all confident. But uh, yeah, I like to repeat that to Walter every every day, if not every hour. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty infuriating. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the one thing, uh, how to say, the one thing I think will be the toughest for them to do is to boss, please, the old Harcourt fans, uh, the ones who are pissed that the expanded universe, you know, uh, was destroyed, and at the same time appeal to well, the people who never gave a shit about Star Wars to begin with. I think yeah, that you know be... what? That's a. I feel like you're right. That's an interesting point. That like there's gonna be, even though ninety percent of the expanded universe is garbage, there's gonna be certain fans that are gonna hold this up to like the best of it at all times and be like, well, this wasn't worth you know throwing away all that good stuff for, and it's like get real. Yep. I guess I'm sorry, I'm... I, I interrupted you, as what were you gonna finish off with? Uh, no, actually, I think I finished. I was just gonna say to me that oh, will okay. be the, the toughest part. It will be to please the old hardcore fans and the old casual fans and the new, yeah. you know, uh, guys who like, why should I care? Why should I care about your old shitty thing and not the yeah. Hunger Games, you know, or whatever? That's simple. It, man. It, they're, they're doing a good job trying to make it appealing to everyone on Earth, it seems. Like, I feel like, I mean, first of all, like we were talking uh, earlier about just sort of the state of the internet now. And uh, I feel like the diversity of the cast is, is in itself a boon to the marketing of this film. Yeah, of in course. Certain, yeah. You know, sci fi, you know, blogging quarters. Like, it's already, there's a lot of excitement about it from, you know, all sorts of fans. Yeah, from Kylo, the- Kylo Ren needs to be a Hispanic emo guy for for it to be cover all bases. <laughs> all, all Asian, you know, or Asian, yeah, either yeah. one. Native American actually would be uh, a good, uh, yeah, sure. The, the trouble was we've already seen him, and he looks like a young Trent Reznor. <laughs> well, you know, we fed off makeup. Sure, sure. I, I was my only thing I was going to add was in terms of like you know it's you know how it's going to do all these things hit all these notes like you know the other big thing I expect particularly from Abrams is to try to pull a a big surprise in the second episode you know a I am your father moment like how are they going to pull that when everyone's looking for that punch everyone's looking for that curveball the entire series like how are they going to be able to do it without it being a le- out of the left field thing you know. Well, the I guess I mean you're right because it's like everyone is already, or at least you know half of the internet is already on the is Kylo Ren Luke, you know, or is Luke in the dark side now? So it's like that's already that territory has already been pretty. Well, you you, well you may not. Out. I'm not the first one to sing about this. <laughs> <laughs> what? Only only the worst <laughs> blogs have stories like that out there. But you know, and of course, you know, speaking of the expanded universe, there's you know you can also apply you know is the main girl and. Kylo Ren, the children of Han Solo and Leia, are they related to Luke? You know, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. I am your brother. That's <laughs> you know, wi- that's that's wishful thinking from people who don't want the EU to be dead, but it's dead. 
No, I, I honestly, but, I, I mean, they can they can steal that stuff. Yeah, though, I think if they want to if they want to maintain the family connection. The mm-hmm. thing is, he, you like he did everything in their mother, so there's bound to be stuff that's the same. You know, just because like the new kids have to have got to be at some points, uh, you know, uh, daughters and you know, whatever, sure. and sons of whoever and whatever. So. Yeah, so that's bound to happen, I think. And, you know, I think the father, I'm your father stuff could be done, like, humorously with, I don't know, Han Solo coming and saying, yeah, I'm your dad. And she's like, you're my father, you know, I mean. <laughs> you? You are my father? You know, it could be, yeah, I, I think, you know, I also see Abrams doing that kind of funny, clever, you know, yeah. different stuff. But yeah. They did it in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I think we we're going to see also that kind of stuff. Just hope it. He does look like a good deadbeat now. He's he would make a good deadbeat dad, Han yeah. Solo. Yeah, it's all. True. <laughs> I actually was thinking about that. We get to see a very respectable looking Leia in this trailer, and you kind of imagine Han Solo just like her drunkard, you know, in the court, you know, wherever she is. Just it's Uncle Han. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's this loser guy whose you know, glory days are behind him, literally looking for his old beat up car. Yeah, that's my grandma's husband. Ugh, don't talk about him. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. I mean, again, I mostly just wanted to see what you guys thought, and my opinion had changed since the last trailer, so worth bringing up. Yep, I am. I am completely ready to be excited and set myself up for extreme disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just like 1999. It's going to be great. The way I feel right now, like even if it is a complete disappointment, which I don't expect, I mean, I'll be, I'll be okay with that. My, yeah, my whole heart is not in this thing, you know? The, yeah, the same here. Are, it's already over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. It's like it was over it was over fifteen years ago. So it's like they can't it can't get any worse. Yeah. I'm I'm close to my mid thirties. It's it's tough to really disappoint me at this point. <laughs> Plus if you wanna just talk like there's other angles that are interesting to me. Like, is this gonna be the most successful movie of all time, box office wise? Just Oh you know, god, I've been thinking about that, yeah, man. Yeah, be. is this gonna just is it going to knock off Avatar? I mean, the the only thing that you would think so, but the only problem with that is, you know, you just never know. Like that Avatar thing was insane, uh, where you know, and it has to go on for a while. Like people, it was almost like people joined a cult. So like, you know, Avatar. I, I honestly, Avatar was like a ma- go ahead, Azil. I was just gonna say, I honestly hope it fucking dethrones Avatar because if there's yeah. one movie that doesn't deserve anything, that's yeah. fucking Avatar. <laughs> So Avatar was Christ. like a spell. That, I felt like a spell was cast over the entire world you know for why? just a little bit. You, you know, know? What? I'll tell you why. It's a fucking furries, man. That's why. <laughs> that's why. That's, of course, that's who it appeals are to. You, the are Navy, you saying the you know, Navy. a significant enough portion of the population to have, you know, sent that movie to $2 billion? Yeah, well, I suspect uh, them to have, you know, uh, viewed it. They all went to well, see that, it a billion times. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> What I mean, though, is like I remember seeing it, walking out of theater, going like, "That was good, what wasn't it?" I guess I should go back and see it again. I I saw Avatar twice in theaters. About ten minutes into the second time, I'm like, "No, this was not good. This was a this was a a big mistake." How could you you be? I was unsure, and then I was very sure, and then I wondered how in the hell they had that much money. Twenty minutes into it, I was already thinking it was shit, man. Well, you know, it's funny. I remember, I specifically remember from a documentary from The Phantom Menace when episode one, I think it was before it came out, it was like Lucas showing Spielberg the, the droids, the, the attack droids. 
and they were talking about the box office and it was it's, it sticks out to me because it's like the most real moment in the thing it's not a promotion they're actually talking about their business and they're talking about like the movie being the top movie of all time and star wars being on top again and lucas is sort of resigned to like eh, you know that titanic thing came along and it's like you know you just you have no idea like you know because he was mm. sort of i think he kind of knew like i can't beat that you know there's not going to be girls going to see star wars sure 10 times or 20 times in the you know like three months after the movie's already out so that i always thought that was really interesting and it's like it's like cameron has done it again cameron magic yeah he got this two billion dollar movie that seems like you know unbeatable you know again when otherwise it probably would be number one it'll be interesting to see if it can get there or if it ends up at number two or something so if there was going to be any movie to dethrone the current best box office, I would imagine it's this. Because yeah. it's pulling from, I mean, it's so many different target demographics with this, right? I mean, there's no other franchise like Star Wars, period, you know? And just the fact that it, it had fallen, I'm amazed that like, it had fallen into such bad, you know, mm-hmm. state. You know, it become like a joke. Sure. And it's like they, they revved up that marketing machine. And they've revved everything else up and they got Harrison Ford on the screen and, you know, the the Jedi, they're real, you know. And now it's like everyone, all the skeptics, you know, us and casual people, it's all anyone could talk about after that goddamn trailer came out on Monday. So, you know, it looks like they're going to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I agree. It's been a very quick turnaround. Just from yeah. something say six eight months ago or so, this was it's not like something woke, I was looking uh, they, forward to. It's like a sleeping giant was woken up. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. Well, I guess that's, that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back in a bit. Thanks for listening. Awkward outro. Yeah, we'll be back in a bit. <laughs> in a month. <laughs> in a month. You can do. You can do it again. <laughs>